Welcome everybody once again to the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I am Kenny Oak at Kenny Oak Sports, and I am joined, as always, with the man, the myth, the legend, the number one co-host in the business, Chris Harris. How are you today, my friend? I want you to be my manager and plug me just like that when I'm running the indie circuit and all these house shows. In Let's the go. Belt. Okay. On the mouth of the South, baby. Even 2.0. Disgusting. Yes. I'd have to work <laughs> heel with that kind of talk. But, Bubs, I am good. Another episode in the shoot here. We're talking some stuff that we, you and I are both fans of. Oh, we're so, finally up to like a weekly thing here. Yeah. If we can, if we <laughs> it's can taken maintain, us a while. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons <laughs> that we don't do it weekly, but there are always excuses. But we got a good flow going. So um, hopefully we'll keep putting out some good product here and uh, good conversations as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff going on in the wrestling world. As far as Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, there's not a whole lot to really talk about with, uh, is it Money in the Bank coming up soon? Is, yeah. You got NXT uh, TakeOver Chicago happening next. That's the next big event there. So, yeah, really uh, – Let's see, All In is happening soon, too. A lot of big stuff yes. in the wrestling. So as far as the biggest thing happening right now, we're just, we're after, we're in like a, a bit of a dull moment between major pay-per-views. Happens a lot, but between WrestleMania, between SummerSlam, we're getting some, I don't know, some mediocre TV right now with Raw and SmackDown. Recent talks, though, have said that SmackDown may be going to Fox Network. And breaking yes, away from I, USA, and they also may be going to a three-hour program. That's just rumor mill right now, but it'd be good business for the WWE to use multiple networks. It's also good business for Fox to acquire one of the shows, so that could be something that pops up here as we get towards the summer, bubs, and I think it'd be worth it. I think it's good It's good business, obviously, to separate your programs like that because they're going to be making a lot of money from Fox if they let SmackDown go that way. But I don't like the three-hour suggestion. I hate Raw as a three-hour program by itself. Yes. But um, that's really it right now. All that's still just rumor mill because we'll have to wait till the summer to see something coming of that. But more importantly, you mentioned All In. Let's talk about All In for a second because the biggest thing about it was the fact that it sold out in 29 minutes and like 30-something seconds. And that's far beyond the expectations that any of them had, including Cody or the Bucks. And honestly, if it was close to me or in, in proximity, Bubs, I might have bought a ticket. But um, this is picking up in 10,000, sold out. Yeah, and the thing about All In is that it's doing everything in an unconventional manner. You know, it's not... It's... As much as we, we would hate to admit it, because neither of us have ever been big fans of... Uh, the Super Kick Party themselves, the Jackson Brothers, the Young Bucks. But name a more marketable and two of the most marketable individuals in all of wrestling outside of the WWE. You're, you're really not going to unless you get deep into New Japan, right? And I think they've they've been more marketable than almost any of kind of the IWC favorites out there. They're more marketable than Kenny Omega himself, in all honesty. This this all-in is a product of them right? more than anything else. And really, Cody Rhodes putting in a lot of work on this as well. And money. So, and money. So those three individuals 
are really the driving force to of how just big and massive this uh, card, this product that they have built has become. And a lot of conversations now talking about, since it sold out so quickly, was the fact that maybe Vince McMahon is threatened. Maybe the WWE can be threatened by something like this, considering that it did sold, sell out in under 30 minutes. It's... I wouldn't go anywhere near that whatsoever, but it, this is good wrestling is what this is. This is going to be a good product. This is going to be something that we're still hoping might be streamed over some type of network so we can buy into it from that angle, but it may just be exclusive to those who are watching it. But they're smart. They're using Chicago, right? Very huge mm-hmm. wrestling fan base there. And uh, an arena, or I, don't, I think that's the best thing to call it, it is an arena, is got a lot of seats. The card's going to be heavy, full of all kinds of talent the nwa titles going to either main event or co-main event that's something that's going to be huge nick aldis against cody rhodes so this feels old wrestling right this has that stink of in a good way of circuit (laughs) territorial wrestling because the nwa as as a title as a product is going to be featured on here you're going to have all kinds of i mean there's a lot of expectations that are going to be maybe met or not so not so much met depending on who actually shows up for the card but for independent wrestling this is huge as mainstream wrestling i don't know how big it is yet no for mainstream wrestling i don't think this means squat honestly because you can't go up to any kind of uh let's say you can go to anyone on the street and say the words wwe and they know exactly what you're talking about yeah you go up to some random person and say hey are you excited about all in they'll be like is that a new movie coming out right that sounds that sounds exciting but uh it will be huge for like you said the independent wrestling scene mm-hmm. as a whole because it will show other promotions how how i guess you can market to just a niche wrestling fan base and still make a killing yeah doing it now as you mentioned, you know you, you were wondering maybe about some kind of streaming. We hope it's going to be streamed somewhere. I, you know, yes, I hope it does. But I think it's smart that right now that they don't kind of market any kind of streaming uh, because look at how fast the tickets sold out. I know exactly. No, no one can sit back and go. Well, I mean, I'll just watch it on my computer screen because right now you don't know. I hope it, it's like two days and that's when they announce it. So that way we can be like, oh, God, thank God we can still watch it somehow Yeah. instead of paying $5,000 for a ticket from a scalper. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm more so interested in what they do after this because the fact that it sold out so quickly means that there's going to be a huge audience. So if they choose to do something like this again, they can use a bigger arena maybe, depending on how successful the card is, of course. They can go into a bigger arena and maybe get towards that twelve or 15 thousand type thing but i think the reason that it's important is arena for wrestling of ten thousand people hasn't been sold out by anybody other than wwe in america in years so this does get the attention i'm sure of of vince maybe now they probably won't acknowledge it in any way i don't i don't think they'll be you know putting triple h won't be tweeting cody rhodes or something Mm -hmm. like that but um i think it is significant i don't think it'll be anything mainstream just yet but this has the potential depending on how good the card is, to get something much bigger down the road as maybe something that happens maybe twice a year or something like that. Because Cody, he's got a name, he's got the money, and he's got the backing of all kinds of people who will support him. So if he wants to make this something you know, that happens multiple times a year, they can make this grow. And 
it's just it's exciting to see. And you're right. I really hope it's actually not for the sake of business broadcasted out on anything because you're right. All of us would sit back and I'll pay five bucks for the Twitch authorization to watch it on Twitch. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, leave us with something that we want to watch next time. The next time they move it to California and they try to sell out 15,000. I don't know. Yeah. And then they, they move it to Dallas and try to sell off the American airlines mm-hmm. arena. Uh, cause Dallas is a huge wrestling hub. We have a great wrestling school out here, uh, in the DFW all-star wrestling Academy. So, but the thing with, uh, the Jackson brothers is that Vince McMahon has always kind of had his eye on them. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in, you know, I have to go out and sign them kind of way, but I, I do feel that he respects kind of their business acumen and what they've done for themselves in the wrestling business. Uh, there was a great story uh, that came out after WrestleMania when the Hardys, uh, last year's WrestleMania, when the Hardys made their big uh, re-debut, their return, uh, that the night before, it was either the night before or that Friday before uh, they wrestled in a ladder match against the Bucks the yeah, and dropped Bucks. the titles. Yes, and there's a story, and they tell the story about how Vince called them up to say, "Hey, we know you, we know you can, but please take care of the Hardys tonight. Make sure nothing happens to them." Yeah, because they were the only ones that knew. Yep. The Young Bucks, the Hardys were really the only people that knew what was you know going to happen at WrestleMania. So. It, it just goes to show how much uh, influence those two men have in the wrestling business. And it, it, it's amazing that they've been able to do it with zero inclusion in WWE whatsoever. I think they'll be – I mean they're going to continue to be successful. The Bullet Club thing is going to continue to be a successful. Super Kick will always be their, their thing from now on. And it will be interesting to, to see how they grow from this because they committed themselves to helping Cody Rhodes – with this as far as financing it and, you know, getting the cards set and everything else. So they're just as involved with this as Cody is for just as good of reasons because they're, they're now a big part of the business, not just in the ring, but you can say their names to, you know, even just a, a casual fan and they're going to know the Young Buck name. So it's it's good for them. It's good It's good business. This whole all-in thing is going to be great, especially for indie, yes. indie people and the cards should be well-produced as well, but that'll be coming in the, in the months Yes. Speaking speaking of house shows or show wrestling shows in general, I had the chance to be at NXT Live uh, in Dallas uh, last night um, here at the Southside Ballroom in Dallas, Texas, in downtown Dallas. Man, you want to talk about a fun show to go to in a very intimate environment? The same uh, same kind of the same venue that ROH uses when they uh, tour and come into Dallas. So it was a very like intimate environment. There was no bad place to be in the entire kind of venue. Uh, even though I was sitting towards the uh, back with my daughter, um, you, you, you could see everything. You could feel everything. You can hear everything. But you can feel the slaps. You can feel the suplexes. Um, I, I can see the appeal now because I've not been to a wrestling show in that kind of environment. I've only been to kind of the bigger arenas. So to be able to be in that environment, you, you can feel why shows like w, like NXT, like ECW back in the day, mm-hmm. like ROH now has such a strong following. CZW, all these smaller promotions have such a strong following because that intimate environment creates – um, a lot of chaos for the fans. Um, 
uh, you feel like you're much closer to the wrestlers and you know even if you're in the back you feel like you can still like make eye contact with them and you have that connection with them and uh, all in all it was just a great show and a great environment wrestling wise to be in right and i understand the feeling two years ago in san antonio when i went to a randomly produced independent scene that was produced by some san antonio based Mm -hmm. wrestling they had a bunch of older guys that were there that's when we got our start was right after that it was right after that when we started and a lot of guys that that we know um colt cabana was there got to talk to colt cabana got to talk to one of my favorite dudes in all of wrestling, Billy Gunn. Yes. And I'm sitting oh, right behind I was going to say Kurt Angle because... No, Kurt never, uh, wasn't Kurt never showed up in the ring. I did get to meet him at the table, but yes. I'm, I'm more so okay. talking when they actually started the event because Billy did okay. wrestle. And sitting in the front row in a small event like that where there was about 300 people at most, he comes by and he swings right by us and you get to slap a guy's shoulder and he even slapped my hand. When you get to do nice. something like that, that makes you as a fan get very invested. Now, of course... I'm just talking about a guy who's far out of his prime in Billy Gunn, but he's always been a personal favorite of mine. He's someone you grew up watching, so you have that connection with him. So when you're in a venue like that, when you're you're so close to the action, and even though it's a house show, you know nothing major is going to happen. You're not going to see a random title change most of the time. You're not going to see anything ridiculous, right, unless they start a new storyline that gets leaked through their camera footage or something like that. It's just for the fans. It's for those 200, 500 people at most to feel it, and that's why those house shows are still so successful because – Prices are reasonable, and usually there's not a huge line. There's not a, a mega weight or anything like that because no. it's very small. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know you enjoyed it because NXT, yes. most the whole roster is so talented. Oh, God. And they had EC3, Kyrie Sane, and Nikki Cross. You had Velveteen Dream and Ricochet in the main event. Can't Ooh. wait for that at TakeOver. That's going to That's going to be – oh, it's going to be so good. I'm going to ruin Twitter with my markism yes. for that. God damn. <laughs> so I want to give a shout out to uh, Casey Young, uh, the guy that I, uh, I got the tickets from. He ended up getting uh, better seats, so I was able to get those tickets for me and my daughter. So nice. thank you Good plug for right that, there. Casey. Good um, It is well, well appreciated. Now, Bubs, we, we've been talking a lot here, and you, you bring up a couple, couple names in Ricochet and the Velveteen Dream. Now, we love these guys, right? The internet loves these guys. The independent circuit especially loves Ricochet from where he's coming from. And he is... The live crowd loves these guys. Trust me. Oh, for sure. Um, For the most part, these guys are considered faces, right? Yes. And on the contrast to that, I'm sure you want to talk a little bit about Lars Sullivan, who was also there. (laughs) Yes. So Uh, let's talk about Lars real quick because he's going to get a a bigger push. He's it's you can't he's not going to be defeated one on one for a while. So nor should he's Lars Sullivan is just the TV doesn't do him justice. He is a massive human human being being. (laughs) of just pure muscle. Like this guy is yoked to the rafters. Yes. In just rock. Like he's made of granite. He is huge. Um, he so there was a match between uh, Oni Larkin and Kona Reeves. Yes, and you know, no one really likes Kona Reeves. You know Ooh. he's that typical heel, uh, very smarmy and egotistical. But Lars Sullivan came out. He he's I I assume he's working heel. I mean everything I've seen on NXT TV points to that yeah and then he comes out and before the match starts he comes out Conor reeves runs and he beats up on Oni larkin so you know boo boo lars and so he leaves 
and Kona tries to get the match started like it's money in the bank. Like he comes <laughs> running in just like yelling at the ref, start the, start the damn match. Um, but he ends up getting rolled up schoolboy for the loss, and then uh, he starts cutting a promo about how great he is, and then boom, Lars Sullivan's music hits again. Lars. All of a sudden we're cheering. All of a sudden Why we're all cheering, cheering for Lars. Uh, and he, he hits Kona Reeves four times. With his finisher. Of course, we were all chanting one more time, so he obliged yeah, us like, sure. a, like a face would. Yeah, no. Uh, um, so I'm not too sure. Eh, you know, it was for the live crowd. They, you know, get our money's worth. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think is the, is the future for Lars Sullivan? Do you think there's a chance he beats Aleister Black at TakeOver Chicago? The storyline is good. I like that Lars is being put right up there at the top because... Although his ring style is very big man-ish, right? He's not going to do anything that's going to blow our minds. But his character is very well developed so far, and they're making maybe with the strength though, because he is strong as hell. So that's that's a thing. I like that they're playing him as a big powerful powerful heel. He's not going to be our boy. It's just I think it's too soon for that. And the the storyline doesn't support it just yet. But I don't know what the future is. I think. That if he can continue this mean, he's got this aggressive mean thing about him with yes. his heel character, that he can be your top heel guy on that NXT brand. Now, of course, I'm not comparing him to Ciampa in that regard, but yet. No, Ciampa's like a, a true right. heel. Ciampa's Ciampa, Ciampa at the top guy. of that list right now, but Ciampa's also setting himself apart from the NXT title right now. They're still doing the feud with him and Gargano. So in, in that regard, the top guy seeking the title is going to be Lars, and he's going to be the the heel going forward in that and I think eventually we could see a title change but right now I think this is more so to help Alistair Black put him against some different type of styles because the Velveteen Dream thing last year was amazing and then I wanted again and all and I, I'm never going to get over that feud in that match no. and then you put him up against the feud of the year yeah oh man you put him up against uh, Cien Almas <laughs> that's a different style but now you put him up against a powerhouse I think this okay. is more so for development. For, for the title and for Alistair, and it's it's not going to do any harm to, to Lars either. But um, it's, Even it's if Lars like, takes it, I, I can't see him taking a loss in a one-on-one match. No, can I. Uh, maybe a disqualification of some sort, or, you yeah. know, Alistair Black's not going to run away from a fight, so nope. I really don't know how that's going to end up. And honestly, yeah. this is developmental. It's NXT. Uh, it shouldn't have any bearing on what happens on the main roster, but because of how big NXT has become, the storylines bleed in to uh, main roster WWE now. So yeah. you got to kind of start looking at it like, okay, um, how would WWE want this booked? Not yeah. just how Triple H would, because uh, moving forward, do you want Lars Sullivan to be undefeated or, you know, have this big, have a big win, not necessarily undefeated, but have a big winning streak going into the main roster, uh, like Asuka. Because that was, yeah. you know, her big storyline when she got moved up was, wow, she has been undefeated in this many matches on NXT. So they start to, they're blending into each other now. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just, I don't know kind of what direction they're going to want to go in. Because Aleister Black should not lose the title right now. It he hasn't should. been, yeah. He, he should hold the title for a while unless they plan on moving him up soon, kind of like they did with Cian Almas okay. and Drew uh, McIntyre. McIntyre, right. So I, I don't think there's a need yet to move up Aleister Black. The, the rosters are pretty well designed on both shows right now, but you're absolutely right when you talk about them bleeding into each other because when I think of Aleister Black right now, I still think of the match with him and Cian Almas 
But Cien Almas is now on SmackDown, right? So I instantly, there's a relatability that happens right away. I think there was a storyline and a match that happened in NXT. Now half of that storyline, though it's dissolved, is now on a brand on Tuesday night. So they whether or not they want to have them connect with each other, indirectly they're supporting each other. NXT and main roster is what I mean. So depending on where they go with this, with um, in regards to Lars Sullivan, he's a guy who you don't have to put a title on him ever. He can he can move up to the main roster and be just the same character and still dominate people. So I don't know if he's ever going to get a title reign down there, but I like where he's at right now, and I like him versus Black. It's going to be good TV, and it's going to be a going to be a great show. Take over Chicago. I don't care. And, and take over Money in the Bank in Chicago. Uh, we're going to get more into that as the weeks move on we'll definitely talk more about that next week as we get those qualifying matches all finished up and we know who's going to be in the money in the bank matches but you know we've been talking a little bit about uh faces and heels and kind of that dynamic with lars sullivan you know is he a heel uh he did some face stuff here and there like what exactly are they trying to do with him which kind of got us thinking well who are so what is a face, what is a heel, and who are some of the best of all time in those roles? Right. This is one of the – you and I got both excited when we started talking about this as a show possibility because we always talk about – when we describe people, we talk about how they're either face or heel. And 30 years ago, those terms weren't necessarily thrown as much as, around as much as they are now. But there was good guy and there was bad guy, right? Yes. And you cheer the good guy. You boo the crap out of the bad guy. Even if you want to like him, there's no excuse. You boo him. And, that, and it's yes. kind of faded now. Because that's how wrestling time. is supposed to be. That's how a story is told. You don't, it is. You don't watch a movie and go, man, that bad guy was so cool. But, man, I, I'm glad you know he won. Now, other I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody, but the new Avengers movie, Affinity War, kind of had that that feeling in that movie where, huh, this bad guy is kind of relatable, and I like him. <laughs> so I hate him. I guess, that, <laughs> we I guess that's how too. wrestling has, has kind of, I don't want to say devolved, but that's what it's turned into is, man, these heels, you know, when they're cutting these promos, saying these things, you're like, huh, he's got a point. I kind of relate to this guy now, now that he's showing some personalities, and we start to, you know, get behind him. And you saw, kind of saw that with The Rock. That was one of the guys that really caught on in that way, and his healdom turned him into a face. Right, so I can definitely think of Rocky as one of the first examples I saw of somebody who they wanted to be a heel, but just didn't work because he was so relatable. He was so well, good no, at what he worked. did. It worked, it worked for a time and he was successful. Yeah. But when he started to develop it more and more and his mic skills, especially started to take <laughs> so off, good. people are like, no, 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 I, I like this guy. I like the catchphrases he's saying. Let me say them out loud with him. And before you know it, Rocky sucks died out. And now he was the people's champ. So, and even in regards to, to now you and I mark every damn episode about the Miz, but the yes. Miz is a heel. And he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a heel, uh, and he does heel things, right? Boom, he, he Miz, you're awesome. His promos are heel, but we respect it so much, especially when we talk. I mean, when you respect a heel and his in-ring work or his mic ability, you're like, that's so hard to boo. Let me just say, yeah, yeah. go Miz, win this match. But we're not supposed to. So we're just but, as big of a problem as the IWC. Is we isn't, can't say we're not. isn't Jericho, though, the biggest example of this? A guy that... He 100% works heel all the time. All the time. 
all the time. I can't imagine when he worked pure when he works pure face. I hate it because his him as a face just doesn't work. He tries too hard. He just tries to use catchphrases all the time. Um, but him working as a heel, he he he. I would say he's about a B B plus face, but an A plus heel. But that makes him such a great. Fa- it just it doesn't. My brain doesn't compute half the time because right. when people become A plus heels. They they become great faces, yeah. But it's and the it, role. It's the role that they play. When he plays a pure white face baby face, white meat baby face, it, it's not as interesting. But yeah. when he turns on, flips that heel switch, and and starts running these crazy characters, the Arya drunk punk characters <laughs> you- of Jericho, um, we we love the guy. Yeah. Because his personality shines and his charisma outweighs any kind of dastardly thing that he does. The only time I ever remember Jericho being truly hated, and we discussed this a little earlier uh, before we recorded, was in 2000, the 2008 time frame when he became the best what? in the world at what he does. Yeah. Jericho. When he punched out Shawn Michaels, literally punched Shawn Michaels' wife on live TV. It's just heels always end up saying things that we all want to say to somebody who we hate, and a, a good heel promo makes me go, "God, that was that was good. I like what you just said, but I'm supposed to boo you." And the relatability that happens, and that's that's why transitions happens from heel to face and from face to heel. For some guys, they can do it back and forth for their entire career and be just as successful. Jericho's yeah. one, Edge is another guy. Kurt mm-hmm. Angle played both roles. Guerrero played both the roles. Rock. So the, the Rock, the Rock, do Rock it. did both roles. So. It happens to a lot of guys, but the point we wanted to make with this episode was we're going to talk about the best faces and the best heels of all time. And, of course, try to separate that delineation that happens in the yes. transition phase to really talk about who are the best at what they did. And this became pretty hard for me, especially I was telling you before we started recording, like I kept thinking of honorable mentions that I don't know if I can <laughs> throw into my top five because that was our goal was kind of talk about our top guys here. But yeah, it's it's very hard. Now, the question I have, when you were developing your list, yeah. uh, so for a face and a heel, are you talking just pure 100% in that role? Or are you putting tweeners kind of in that role that got big reactions as a face? Like kind of like a Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was clearly a face, uh, but a lot of the stuff he did could have been classified as a heel. Yeah. But because of the bad guys that he went up against, like Vince McMahon... He, w- he was the face. Right. So a little bit of that. I've, uh, okay. Most of my list avoid the tweener concept 100%. Like Jericho's going to be on here, I'll just tell you now, because he played both roles. But um, Austin, very little, I think, was ever considered a heel. Although he did heel no. things, but the way that they presented him to the crowd and the, the opposition that he got made him so much of a face. So my guys, 90% of the people that I selected are 100% instant thought baby face or instant thought heel because okay. that's what I think of. When I think of a guy, you, you mentioned a name to me, I instantly think heel or face. And there's only a couple guys that I'm like, ah, which version did I like better, face or heel? With this, I tried to separate it very clearly because okay. I have some guys who I've always thought were heels and I didn't like their face characters when they tried them because I just thought that they didn't work. So I think I've separated mine pretty clearly. Okay. Uh, some of mine, uh, it, it's more of like a, a time frame. Like, okay, this person during this era, this person during this, these years, like, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, early 2000s to mid 2000s, Triple H Absolutely. is going to be on my 
Heels list. He's on my heel list too. Uh, where where he is on that list, we'll see. But that's kind of where uh, I came from in deciding my list. Okay. Now, of course, I had I ended up running a large list of honorable mentions. Now, I, how hard how hard was <laughs> Just it throw those for out you? Right how now. hard was it for you to actually get down to five? And is that number five kind of fluctuating back and forth between a couple other people? Because we we know wrestling pretty well, Bubs. Like yes. we can talk it very detailed to the mid '80s. I think both of us can. So, how hard was this to actually create a list? Because we've done several list shows before. Yes. Wrestlers, moves, things like that. So, how hard was this one? This was probably probably the hardest, uh, mostly due to the fact that I had to dig deep for some of these because there's such a delineation of heel and face towards the mid to late 90s and until now. From like mid-90s uh, until now, there's kind of... It's hard to be able to say this person was a true face, this person was a true heel, and the people that were good in those roles do make the list because it's been so hard for them to be good at that. Uh, but really, I had to dig deep into like the 60s, 70s to find okay. uh, the best heels and best faces of all time. But there, there is uh, a sprinkle of the modern era in my list. Okay, so it really depends on, uh, since we both, I think, are, we both like heels a little bit more. Let's save them for the end. What do you say? <laughs> oh, let's, so we're just going to go all faces and then all on, heels. Let's talk, let's talk about the faces first. Talk okay. about the guys that. This was harder. This was always the harder. The, mine was harder make. for the heels. So let's talk about white meat baby face, the okay. underdog. Let's talk about the guys that had the big pops from the crowd. Yes. Let's go backwards here and let's, let's, tr let's do some honorable mentions real quick of some okay. guys that I just couldn't fit into my list. Now, of, when we're talking recent time, of course, uh, Daniel Bryan's in that list because he's the most over guy uh, in the last he, he five years. He doesn't crack your top five. He does not, okay. He's not in my top five at all. And this, um, even though I'm a big Rocky fan, Rock's not going to make it. Dusty Rhodes won't make it into that list. Okay. Uh, even a couple guys that were close as well, like Ray and we had mentioned Eddie Guerrero earlier, even CM Punk. But Punk's was very short-lived, I think. His was a very shorter amount of time than some of these other individuals and, and that's one of those tweener guys yeah he's definitely a tweener but i'll be honest the most disappointing guy because i'm pretty set on my top five now i'm really disappointed in myself that i don't have bruno in the top five for my faces oh yeah man. i know don't and worry i make up for that cover for me i know <laughs> it's mostly because an era far beyond us we weren't around for any of bruno's stuff but the way that it's documented and supported he is clearly a top contender in that aspect, but this is yeah. from my view. This it's is from my chair. Seed. Certainly could be argued to be a number one guy, Bubs, but I have him in there as well. Mick Foley, even for a time, was a super pop guy. So that's my honorable mentions list at the least. Okay. Here's uh, here's some of my honorable mentions for this list. Uh, WCW DDP, uh, whoa, DDP, I almost called him DD Page. <laughs> Diamond Dallas. Diamond Dallas. <laughs> Yes, uh, he was just so over in the mid-90s, um, mid to late 90s. Uh, had some great runs with the WCW title, had great storylines chasing the title. He, he took Goldberg to a fantastic pay-per-view main event match. He was just, he he's someone who caught lightning in the bottle. You know, you don't have the RKO out of nowhere without DDP yeah. and his diamond cutter. The cutter out of uh -oh. nowhere. 2002 on Shawn Michaels uh, doesn't make my list, but he was pretty much an exclusive face 
throughout that entire run, except for his uh, feud with Hogan, with the infamous SummerSlam. Yeah, that match. And the short uh, short recreation of the Bret Hart saga that he did in Montreal. That was very... That was during... crowd when the music hit. That was during that Hogan feud, though, Bub. Same time frame, was it? Yes, it was during that feud. Because he used that to get more heel heat on him because he had to work heel for that. Of course he did, for fucking Hogan. Why not? Of course. Um, but yeah, uh, other honorable mentions. I guess Bret Hart is an honorable sure. mention. Um, one of the biggest faces of the 90s. Um, but he just didn't quite make that list for me because he didn't quite have the drawing power of some of these other people on my right. list. Absolutely. So those those are my face honorable mentions. Okay. Now, I, uh, as we get through this, we'll go five to one, of course. We, we're going to have some similar names because there's some obvious similar names, I think. Ooh, and Ricky bo- Steamboat in, is another honorable mention. These, oh, God. Okay. So we'll talk about that. Um, there's some recognizable names on both our lists, I'm sure, even though we don't know what each other's going to say. But even the casual fan or the Mark fan is going to think of the same thing when they think about this. So uh, I'd like to lead it off, Bubs, if you don't mind. Go for um, it. Go for it. Uh, when I think of faces, though, I mentioned as we as we opened this up the the white meat baby face, right? Yes. The, the pure good boy, the good looking guy that just does yes. everything right, and more so, I'm talking about early '90s version here. But let's talk about Sting for a second, okay? Oh, now, rarely you'll find you'll, rarely you'll find an audio clip that has "boo" of Sting anywhere in it ever, oh. and even. And this is weird because because our last episode we talked we did a paper review right and yes. he goes up against Randy Savage. The only reason that his opponent in Savage is cheered is because he has a relation to the NWO. So Sting exclusively for his entire career, even his comeback that was very short lived in WWE, all kinds of face pop, big fan crowd. I don't know what you think about Sting, but but big I had him in number five. <laughs> yes, uh, that is a fantastic pick. Um, man, you really, really hit that a little earlier than I would have liked. Okay. Because I actually have Sting at number four. Okay. But I will go ahead and move him back to number five just so I can get this kind of conversation going. Sure. Um, like you said, Sting worked exclusively face almost his entire career. He had... Maybe one or two runs. He definitely had one run in TNA when he was part of the main event mafia. The mafia, yeah. With, but that with was Kurt Angle. So and, the group was booed. But yeah, I agree with that. But that he he was working heel at that he time uh, when he was working uh, Joker Sting. Also, I believe he was oh, doing it. heel. Yeah, hated not it. a big fan of Joker Sting. But I mean, if you go back to the '80s and the '90s, who was a bigger face? Just pure white meat baby face like he he is the poster child for what a white meat baby face is yeah uh up until he did the crow sting um he was as pure of a good guy as you can get yeah um and even when he did transform into crow sting black and white sting he still was he was the face he was the he was part he was the 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 hope of WCW to put an end to NWO. Yeah. So n- no matter what he did, it was in a kind of savior role where he was going to overcome the big bad guy. He he's the one who overcame Ric Flair. 
Yeah. He was hand chosen by Ric Flair to kind of pass the torch to. Like no one becomes the face, the franchise of WCW or any kind of major promotion without being such a huge fan favorite. And that's what Sting was. When you think of when you think of a baby face, you think of the fan favorite and that was him his entire he had the look, he had the charisma and he just he he went with it. He took the ball and he ran with it. Right. And you say an interesting point, and the last thing that I was going to bring up about Sting is when I think of the face of WCW, it will always forever be Sting for me. He was the guy that was there forever. He transitioned from NWA to WCW with them. He never showed up on WWE TV until Survivor Series 14? Uh, 2004. 2000 and... Uh, was it 15? I, I think, think it, it might have been, been 15. Because they put him in the Seth Rollins deal. Yes. But... So he goes all those years. Oh, then it was 14. Survivor Series 2014. Okay. So then he goes all those years without showing up. He he did obviously some some good and some bad in, in TNA. But he'll always be the face, the guy on the poster of WCW for me. Because all those other guys did back and forth stuff. They did WWEF. Yes. They did stuff before they, they came and before after they were in WCW as well. So Sting's always going to be that fan favorite of the pure WCW wrestling brand for me. And he certainly deserves to be in that top five conversation for sure, for sure. So you said you had him at four. Yes. So who was your five then? See, I, I, this was probably one of the hard, uh, hard things for me, uh, kind of flip flopping, uh, a couple guys and I'm going to go ahead and this is where, cause I was going to stick Daniel Bryan at five. Okay. Uh, but I just wanted to get that kind of sting conversation going, and I have, you know, I have no issues moving Daniel Bryan up my list. But when you think of the modern time, when you think of crowd reaction, um, face of a company, uh, someone, even the casual fan or the uh, mainstream kind of non-fan would know. Uh, other than the person who's three on my list, Daniel Bryan right now is someone that you will always you always kind of know mm-hmm. like the beard the the yes chant you know just the un and here's what sets him apart from a lot of the other faces that are out there that could have made this list some of the honorable mentions that you and I threw out it's just the pure unabashed love that he has from the crowd and the unabashed love that he gives to us, the fans. There is no one else uh, within the last 10 to 15 years that has been so universally loved and universally just can hold the crowd in the palm of his hand. We feel all of his emotions. When he retired, we all felt it. We all felt his sorrow, and we kind of gave our emotions to him as he gave them to us. Mm-hmm. And when he made his return, we felt his excitement and we let him know how excited we were that he came back. So that's to me, that's what makes someone such a tremendous face is someone that we feel his emotions and we reciprocate those emotions back to him. Okay. So I saw this one coming, so I was actually prepared to talk about this one with you pretty well, because I, okay. I certainly agree with it. Now, there's a couple things of why I think why this is true. So 
When we think of baby faces, I mentioned this as we started as well, we think of the underdog, right? The ultimate underdog yes. story. So the only two true underdog stories I've ever believed in in wrestling was Daniel Bryan's and mm -hmm. Rey Mysterio's. Okay. okay. So m m most of that is because of size. Usually, of course, it's a great way to start. And yes. Ray, being as small as he was, was able to overcome a lot of things. He got his triple threat win at a WrestleMania. Yes. He got himself a, a Royal Rumble win as well. So that's always worked for his entire career, is always be able to beat the bigger guy. Now, in most cases, Daniel Bryan is also the smaller guy in all of his feuds. So they've taken that look that he has, that he kind of looks like a lot of us, right? Yes. I mean, he's, he, he's in obviously very good athletic much, shape. Much better shape. He's in good shape, obviously. <laughs> but um, it's the beard, right? It's the He's kind of like the common man type appearance, although he is certainly physically fit. And the storyline that led to WrestleMania 30, the SummerSlam that he had to go through before that with Orton and Triple H. And he, even before that, they tried to make – when they tried Team Hell No – it was such a an aggressive it wasn't even aggressive the fact that they try to even impose the fact that we would believe he's a heel in any way before that even really never worked so after he lost to wrestlemania to sheamus that was the last time i ever believed he was a heel in any way yep okay that that next night on monday just threw all of that out the sure. window and since then the booking has supported it so well and i've loved almost everything they've done with daniel bryan after that, I even I love the fact that he was world champion and he lost in fucking 18 seconds or whatever it was, too. So um, he's the ultimate underdog in regards to post-Mysterio when Mysterio was top card for sure. And he's probably going to go down easily as the biggest underdog story that wrestle the wrestling's ever done, WWE for sure. So to put him as the ultimate face, the yes chant is huge. Everyone knows it on the internet because he's just he's such a draw. And his return has become and it still is. It's still rolling. It's gonna yes. be it's gonna be huge stuff. He's still the biggest face in the company right now. He's bigger yeah. than AJ Styles, and he's bigger probably than Seth Rollins. Even though we I'll all tell that Seth to Rollins. my daughter. Okay, I know, she I, will. I get she that. will be mad. But um, we all are still connecting because we're all still stuck in what Daniel Bryan gave us. You know, five years ago even, and since then. Yeah. So I I certainly love it. Putting him at number four, or you had him at at, at five. I had whatever. him at five. Move him up to four. Sure, Bubs. I'm yes. sure you're all about it. So <laughs> well, I like it. And, and here's the thing. Here's why he did. Because he fits everything that makes a face what they are, um, but it, it's he didn't quite have the same drawing power as my next three picks. But as you said about Daniel Bryan, and I've I've always said this: people say, "Oh, they he he never got his fair shake." You know, WrestleMania 30 was his his only time to shine. Before that, he was already a two-time world champion. Before that, he was he was main eventing almost every pay-per-view towards the end of 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, like Daniel, they knew what they had in him, and they were just trying to see just how far it can go. And WrestleMania 30 was the culmination of one of the greatest storylines of this generation, and that with Daniel Bryan versus The Authority. Yeah, and I've always said that. I loved his the angle with him versus Bray Wyatt and against oh, it was the Wyatt the family. That was oh god! It, I can I'm go sure. back and rewatch that 
the WrestleMania 30 climax was better, of course, but that that's the piece that I like the best was the steel cage match. Actually, is what it was. Yes, I think it was the steel and cage match between him and Bubs, Bray Wyatt with the Wyatt family surrounding. Bubs, ultimate underdog, great pick. Uh, I, I understand your fascination for the guy. All right, but we need to move on because I yeah, will be stuck on Daniel Bryan. We need to, we need to tame that. that down. So let me break into number three for you, if okay. you don't mind. Um, so I put Hogan here, Bubs, and I gotta. I got actually. Well, I'm sorry. I'm on number four. No, no, you're on number four. Yeah. So I just gave away number three for you. So there's okay, Hogan. That's fine. Let me let me backtrack. So oh. I put John Cena at number four. Great pick. Okay. Oh. And now you wouldn't be able to really tell if he's over, if he's face or heel if you just were brand new to wrestling and you had to tune into a show he was on. But let's talk about Thugonomics and post Thugonomics Cena and really since then and outside of wrestling more than anything. John Cena is now the face and will be the face for many more years outside of the ring for WWE because of what he yes. does. John Cena became the new biggest face that, that the wrestling that all of wrestling needed in that early to mid 2000 era when there were some struggles as to who's going to be the next guy. It how was long, rough. How long can Triple H keep putting himself at the top? Shawn Michaels can't keep putting on all these matches. How do we get to the next guy? So all that came along with the progress of Randy Orton, Batista, and John Cena, and throwing a little bit yes. of Brock Lesnar in there if you want as well. Cena, the the, the big four of OVW, the OVW, right? Great. Yes. I'd have loved a book back then. Golly, yeah, go so for it. Cena has separated himself since then, even above Randy Orton, whose resume is huge as well. Cena has put himself into the Ric Flair category now of all those world title reigns, and every single one of them is worth it, and he's going to break it within a year, I think, to be the the greatest champion in the wrestling industry. John Cena, not now, because like I said, you can't really watch it on TV because he'll get booed for some reason. John Cena is one of the biggest faces, and certainly the biggest face post Main event Austin and post main event Rock in all of wrestling bubs, and that's where I'm leaving that. One thousand percent agree, which is why, and I, I'm sorry that I'm doing this to a lot of people. My number three is John Cena, and here is here's where the biggest trouble I had came. It was between John Cena and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And here's why I made the decision to include Cena and leave Austin off of this list is what we talked about earlier. We're talking about white meat baby faces. Right. We're talking about the the purest of the pure here. The people who always stood up for justice. The people who always looked out for the little guy and always told us to, you know, eat or say our prayers and eat our vitamins. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. So who better has been, who's been better at that over the last 10, 15 years, even 20 years than John Cena? He's been the biggest pure baby face in WWE since 80s Hulk Hogan. That's it. No sure. one's been better than John Cena at, you know, getting kids involved uh, not just getting them involved, but getting them interested and excited about wrestling. You know, you ask him, we've deployed how many times, Bubs? And you can talk to anyone in these foreign countries, uh, and you mentioned John Cena, and they know exactly who you're talking about. Right. And that goes into what I uh, what I mentioned with Daniel Bryan, why he kind of fell on my list, is that he hit all the all – he checked all the boxes, but it's the drawing power 
yeah. that that separates my top three from really the entire pack. And John Cena is is on that list because his drawing power, both in and out of the ring, because he's he's fantastic as an actor. I love yeah, John I Cena the guy. He's fucking funny. Actor. A Ferdinand, he's the best part of that movie. I've watched that movie thirty times because I have a five year old, and that's what you have to do is watch crappy cartoon movies. Mm-hmm. But John Cena is just great at everything that he does. Now. I'm going to talk about this in my next one because I already said it's Hogan, of course, but we're going to, there are going to be some very similar things that happen between Cena and Hogan, and it's outside of the ring. John Cena's make-a-wish thing. How the fuck can you, you boo him? You can't. I don't you know can't. how you can boo him in that regard. The dude is – he stands alone. That's The Make-A-Wish Foundation is something far separated from WWE, but John Cena has granted the most wishes of anybody in any sports or any – any of anything of anything right he's he's that guy so he's the guy he is what commercials were like for hogan in the early 90s late 80s he's doing the exact same thing in getting outside people to recognize the sport you're exactly right in in random ass foreign countries john cena is what they recognize when you think when you think of either sports or wrestling, they're like, "Oh, John Cena, I know him." Oh, you can't see me. Yep, oh. and and of course, we're t- and this was much more prominent in the in you know mid two thousands, late two thousands era, of course. But he still maintained that he's still just as big. He's going to keep doing all these movies, and he he's- works so damn hard. He How does. can you boo the guy I who continues know. to get better? Which is why I don't think I ever want to see heel John Cena anymore because I wouldn't I get behind it. I don't no. think I'd support it. I'd, I'd love to hear his heel promos. That's something I'd sit down for. But that's that's really about it. So he's gotten to the point now where he is in contention for me with Hogan in that regard as to be the mm-hmm. greatest face in the wrestling product of all time, Bubs. Which is why we also mentioned him as an honorable mention in our Mount Rushmore episode because yep. he's that big. He was up there. Yep. All right. So that I just gave away my number three. And John Cena, uh, who do you have at number three? Oh, you've already said, so yeah, why don't you I, go ahead and jump on the Hogan train? So it's very similar to, to Cena, but Hogan transformed wrestling when it wasn't mainstream. Hogan was de- was the face to do that. When he beat Andre the Giant, it was bigger than wrestling. It became a the day it was a David versus Goliath type moment, you know. The what's if the you can call Hogan a David, I guess you'd have to call him David in that regard. <laughs> the immovable object of all that uh, stuff. versus the irresistible force. Yeah, and though Hogan tried heel, and he certainly worked at heel, it it, it got. I was about he that as well. Did. NWO he worked Hogan good at was boo worthy for sure. And his, I mean, he's not the best person out of the ring anymore. He says some nonsensical things, so he's boo worthy in that regard. But I will always be able to consider Hogan. I always, I will always think of early '90s, late '80s Hogan, and I'll think of that dude yes. made wrestling what it was. He was Vince's number one dude for a reason because he had the look, he had the ability to, like you said, go ahead and do those prayers, eat them vitamins, do it all good. Yes. And I mean, you couldn't beat the guy. A handful no. of people have beaten Hogan clean in his career. All right, and he puts very few people over. Thank God he put the Warrior over because that was good TV for WrestleMania. But um, Hogan's Hogan's always going to be that guy. He's always going to be everyone's Mount Rushmore. He should be, regardless, as long as he doesn't do anything too crazy outside of the wrestling ring, non wrestling related, <laughs> he'll be okay. But you got to put Hogan somewhere, Bubs. One hundred percent. Which is why, and I don't know why we make these lists. Why we don't just make like singular lists. We should make one. We list. go because we always pick the same people. We just put them in different orders. Okay. I have Hogan at my number two. And for all of the reasons that you mention, 
Um, if we would have been, if we, in the 80s and 90s, if we would have gone to random ass countries like we have later in our, lately, uh, they would they would know exactly who Hulk Hogan is. Hulk Hogan. He just has that global appeal. They'll talk about how they're eating their vitamins and saying their prayers. Yep. Um, because he just has that global appeal. He was as pure as pure babyface gets in the 80s and, and early 90s. Yes, he played a fantastic heel in WCW, but that's not what he's remembered for. Anytime he makes a comeback, anytime that music hits, he'll always be cheap. That's the truest sign of a pure babyface. Tr- the truest sign of, of a great babyface, if not the greatest or in my case, second greatest baby face of all time. Because no matter when that music hits, he's always going to get cheered. Always. And like you said, he transformed wrestling. Without him, who knows where wrestling is? Because it wasn't going uh, in, in a very positive direction during that time. Um, but with Hogan, the WWF and WWF became what became became national became international and changed the entire landscape of pro wrestling right and it's very interesting you bring that up because had there not been a hogan i don't know who would have taken his place during that time because there was a very clear separation of hogan being the number one face versus anybody else who was trying to play face at that time so i don't really know if hogan wasn't there god knows what could have happened bubs i i mean vince mcmahon you know, we give we can give him a lot of shit, but the guy is a genius. You know, he is a wrestling genius. He he knows what he's doing. A lot of the stuff, you know, maybe we question, but at the end of the day, he he has the most brilliant wrestling mind of all time. Fact. So well, he again, he may have found someone, but I don't think we reached the same heights without Hogan. Hogan just had everything. One hundred percent had everything. This is where we're going to start to disagree, though, Bubs. Uh, yes. Our twos and our two and one here, more so. Way different because my one you didn't even make your list. Okay, and you happened to mention my number one, so we'll get to that in a minute. So let me talk okay. two real quick. I have Steve Austin here, and it's mostly Ooh. mostly because of his Attitude Era run of what he did to put what Hogan had built up as mainstream wrestling yes. to throw it into something much bigger, and as well as to defeat WCW in the in the war for Monday Night. Austin is at or beyond the face level of Hulk Hogan and what he did for that era. There was obviously great booking. There was, he had great feuds. Obviously the Vince McMahon feud with him was great as well. But Austin, although they tried to make him heal, it didn't really work, right? We've talked about that several times when he went heel at WrestleMania against Rock and sided with Vince McMahon, didn't work. So the crowd was always against it. So more so Attitude Era that I'm putting this one here, but I have Austin as my number two face of all time because of that about four, maybe five year gap in wrestling history where he was beyond the number one guy. He was, he was wrestling. And there's, there's no way I can argue this with you. I already told you that I, I, he was earmarked for number three. If I, I didn't just decide I wanted pure white meat baby faces on this list. So Austin 100% meets that kind of criteria uh, that I put out, you know, drawing power, right. uh, the the backing of the fans, uh, getting the fans to believe in something to try and because everyone, everyone hates their bosses. Yep. And, Anti-hero. Give it to me. And Stone Cold had the 
greatest heel to work with of, of almost anyone of all time. And that turned him into what he was. He, he did a lot of heel shit, Bubs. He did. He did. Um, but he his, his charisma, uh, the story that was being told, lended itself to him being this... He was the face that was needed during that time. Yeah. He was the face that had to happen. During that time, you can't have a white meat baby face at the top of the company at that time. It just it just didn't too, work too with the way of an era. Yeah. Yeah. So he worked brilliantly. He became the biggest draw of all time. And he he made the WWE a lot of money. Yes. So I great pick. And I'm not going to argue that with you. Okay. He's certainly the biggest draw of all time. That one I 100% agree with. If yes. we ever did that list, he's number one for sure. But <laughs> yeah, he's so, on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he, that, he's by himself up there. So, so yeah, so, I mean, Austin. we're getting there, Bubs. I'm ready to talk number one unless okay. you want to go a different angle here. Now, um, um, I do want to throw a couple honorable mentions out there now that we're at number one. Okay. Uh, kind of throw a bone to some of our uh, friends across uh, the Pacific uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi is oh, um, the ace baby face. Uh, he single-handedly saved New Japan in the mid two thousand mid to late two thousands. Uh, right now, Okada is probably the not only the best wrestler in the world, but just the best face, uh, kind of outside of Daniel Bryan uh, right now. Um, Antonio Inoki was a great yeah. face back in the day. Uh, but I just wanted to throw those names out before I got to my number one, which is who, who could call man. It, there's there's not enough words that I can say about this man. He he's he's gotten finally the recognition that he uh, has deserved. He was away from WWE for quite a while due to due to some differences, but thankfully Triple H brought him back. Got him in the Hall of Fame, and now he's being remembered as the greatest that he ever truly was, and that is Bruno San Martino Bubs. Okay, so and, like I said, I was upset with myself that I couldn't fit him into my five, but thank God we get to yes. talk about him here with yours because he's probably the best and, wrestler of all time. If we just want yes. to make some general, you know, phrase. And, and here's the thing: he, you want to talk about checking all of the boxes. Great draw. Check. Madison Square Garden. Uh, Boom. Yes. Um, love and admiration from the fans. Check. Uh, believable uh, in his character and great in the ring. Check and check. He he hits all of the buttons. And he, just like all the baby faces that we've already named on our list, he was the perfect person for his time. He was the exact person that was needed at the top of of the card at the time he was so believable he was so beloved as a just as a man in general that when he finally lost after holding the title for thousands of days when he finally lost to uh volkov i think Nikolai volkov the crowd went into stunned silence the first thing heard was whimpering from women and some of the children in the crowd literally wept and cried because Bruno San Martino lost. That is what I call love and admiration from the fans. And that's only achieved from 
just the pure. No, there's no one else has ever gotten that kind of reaction. That's why, in my opinion, he is the greatest face of all time. He held the the biggest title in the world for I four thousand days, something like that. something. For fucking ever. Yeah. yeah, and just he, he the best of all time. That's all I can say. Goat, put him he, on Mount Rushmore. You're making me. Rethink adding Come Sting on. at number five, but so so for his for his era and for even years after it, there was no doubt that anybody could even come close to what Bruno did. An interesting booking to keep a title on the most believable guy of your entire era for so many years, right? No one's ever going to come close to that. They're never. No one is ever going to book like that again to keep a title on a guy like that. So at the time, you have the greatest Talk thing to New Japan and Okada right now. But... Okada, he might challenge it eventually. <laughs> we'll see what they do with him this year. Uh, I might be behind that one as well. Yes. Bruno, at the time, there were very few challengers that could ever realistically hold the title. So he was, I mean, leagues above his entire competition on the rest of the roster. And his passing recently has obviously stirred up a lot of talk about him, and rightfully so. And I, I cannot wait for a a HBO level type documentary like they did for Andre on Bruno San Martino, because I will be yes. clicking on that the moment it comes out. Cause that's going to, I mean, as a wrestling fan, you should be going back to the original guy that started doing all this. And it was certainly Bruno. Um, I don't know if him ever really working heel unless it was in managerial form. So he kind of don't even know if that I'd, happened. I'd have to look into that when because his son wrestled as well. So I'm not sure if that was his son thing. was not as good. No, as him didn't work out that way. But this, I mean, he he reaches the category of he's white meat baby face for what it was in the 60s, bub. Like that's that's he's the guy of, of all time. So I agree with you. It's hard for me to argue that one as well. But it's sad that he's gone. But I'm glad I, that he was he was. You know, the WWE did take care of him. Triple H took care of him in Hall of Fame recognition as well. And, I mean, you got to think of a guy. He's going to be in the argument of, you know, Mount Rushmore for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing with uh, Bruno is that you want to talk about an American dream. The guy came over from uh, war-torn Italy, you know, transformed. He was just the skinny kid. And he transformed himself into this huge, larger-than-life, just wrestling machine. He is someone that I think, if he was around in this uh, era, he would still be a top guy. The yeah. fans loved him. He just, I mean, like I said, there's just, there's not enough that I can say to do Bruno San Martino uh, justice. He was just, oh man, I. He's number one. I can't really say anything more. I would just be doing him a, a dishonor. Okay. So I'm going to tag in my number one real quick. And the only reason that I have my number one as my number one is because of I thought of when I thought of the face, biggest face of all time, I thought of the purest white meat baby face that ever existed. And that was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Nobody mm -hmm. else played that role any better mm -hmm. or more pure than the Steamboat did, especially during okay. his his Ric Flair saga in all those yes. matches, as well as the Randy Savage thing that happened at WrestleMania. That's why I have Ricky right there. He's so well-respected in the business. He's the yes. ultimate face of all time, Bubs. That's now, so good. 
God, he was so good he in the was ring. So so good in the ring, and that just kind of adds to it. He he, the fans loved watching him. The fans loved believing in his story, especially like I said in those Ric Flair matches during NWA talk. So that's why I have him at number one because I think when I think of the face, Ultimate Babyface, I put Steamboat in that category, Bubs. And I 100% agree with you. He was a fantastic champion. He was a fantastic wrestler. And he's someone that the fans could believably uh, get behind as a good guy. Right. Um, I honestly thought when you were just talking about purest of the pure, I thought you were going to go with Bob Backlund. But... Oh, Bobby Backlund as well. <laughs> yes. Put him in the honorable mentions category. Never oh, did anything wrong. Man. <laughs> he, ran, he, he was a politician. Of course he's good. That's true. But here's the thing about faces. It lends itself to, to being able to just – we can go on and on about – baby faces because of how they made you feel yeah the the emotions that they that they pour into their craft and we in turn pour into them and so you know we've talked a lot about faces right now we're about to get into heels and i just kind of want to caveat our heel conversation because i don't think we're going to talk about these heels and do them as much justice as they deserve because it's just faces just it, they bring so much emotion out of you, and we just want to talk and talk and talk about the greatness of yeah. these five that we listed. So, uh, but I mean, if you're ready, I'm ready to get into my top five heels of all time list. Oh yes, I'm I'm ready, Bubs. A couple plugs real quick in the honorable mention. You already brought up Cornette, but I'm saying him officially Ooh, as an honorable uh, mention as managers well. just work so well. I know. <laughs> I love it. A couple, and again, I struggled with a few of these guys, but I uh, they only were short lived. JBL's Hill Run was very nice. Modern Time Miz isn't going to make the list, but he's no. very close. And um, the Four Horsemen in general, not to include okay. Ric Flair outside of that, because I will be mentioning Flair because I'm leading off with Flair at number five, Bub. So if you don't mind, okay. I'm, I'm doing it right now. Ric Flair. Okay, you go ahead and do this, and I'll throw out some honorable mentions when I get to my okay. number five. Good, good. So Ric Flair. I mean, there there's times, of course, when he was cheered because he's so well-respected. And it's hard for me to put him on my list because there came a time, even during his retirement match, when we're like, I'd, I'd like to boo Flair. He's kind of heel, kind of not. He he was always a bit of a gray area guy when he came to WWE yes, in the late The ultimate tweener, after. in my opinion. Yeah, super tweener. But let's, I mean, late 80s, early 90s, Ric Flair was the greatest heel at that time. And 70s, 80s, the oh, entire. For, for all kinds of years. And, of course, I mentioned the Steamboat Saga as well. He did all kinds of stuff with all kinds of folks when he worked <laughs> heel. And more so, it's longevity. That's kind of why I'm putting him up here is okay. because for all those years, he mostly worked heel, or at least he tried, but there was a level of respect that we just couldn't avoid. We're like, go Ric Flair. Even if you're in evolution, I might cheer for you. Whatever. <laughs> so I have Flair up there. He could be number one in a lot of regards, but I'm going to put him yes. in number five, Bubs. And I think that five is a good place for him because, in my opinion, he is that tweener guy. He's someone that he, – he was a dastardly heel, but we secretly wanted to be him. Yeah, you know, he had the lights. He said things that's like, oh, I, I can get behind that. So for me, he he fell off of my heels list, but he's definitely someone that I thought of, one of the first people that okay. I did think of. As far as honorable mentions goes, uh, Jim Cornette is a great person to kind of throw on that. Um, really, other honorable mentions, I would say uh, early 90s Sergeant Slaughter, whenever he was oh, uh, Iraq sympathizer. Oh. Yes, that was pretty good. Shortly. Um, and really, almost almost every uh, big time manager 
from the 80s and 90s. Uh, Paul Heyman, when he was Paulie Dangerously, yeah. can go Even on that now, list. Paul, Paul Alpha Sal, um, Buddy, uh, Buddy, no, Buddy Love, no. Who am I thinking of? Bruce Pritchard. Brother Bruce Love? Pritchard. Brother Love. Yeah. How's the B word out? Oh, the red face love? God. Man, shoot me now. Good stuff. Anyway, but I am leading off my list with probably the greatest manager and greatest commentator of all time. Recently passed away, but he is just, no one beats this guy. And that is the brain himself, Bobby Heenan. Just one of the greatest talkers of all time, if not the greatest talker of all time that would be a great list to get into as well everyone that he managed you hated uh you hated hearing him uh you always wanted to see crazy stuff happen to him uh, when he was an announcer he was definitely working he, he was someone that the other announcers you could tell were getting irked by like bobby heenan was just the greatest just the greatest manager of all time, the only manager on my list, and which is why he, he does make this list, why he was such a great heel. Uh, he, he could get anyone over. He can get any baby face over just by talking. Bubs, if you don't mind, uh, I have Bobby Heenan much higher on my oh, list. So we're yes. going to talk in a little bit about him. Okay. So I'm going to have to pause that conversation, and we're going to have to move on to my number oh, four. I can't wait. Let's yeah, go. So... Uh, you mentioned him earlier, but there's a there's an era where Triple H was the yes. most hated guy on my television, and as a young teen or you know child, was the most I, hated guy on my television. Yeah, I I hated Triple H, and even late '90s when I was huge into The Rock, I hated Triple H, and I just because <laughs> he was, that was a feud. He was a yeah. natural just. <sighs> Huge for The Rock. Yeah, so for a lot of reasons, Triple H, and even now, because he still plays a heel character on TV, though we all mm -hmm. love him for his NXT work, so he, he kind of tweens now in his later years, and he still works the ring pretty well for his age, so we kind of all get behind that as well. But the character of Hunter Hearst Helmsley is the guy that I love to boo. The authority character even, boo, love it. So very few times, actually, have I been behind a Triple H face character ever. I... I, no. I never liked it so much. He's not even one of my top guys to perform in the ring. I'll always hate him for not letting Booker T go over at WrestleMania. But Triple H is number four for me because of those early years in 2000 where he was the champ for fucking ever. And yes. he was just a dick. That's, that's, that's what WWE is missing out on now. When Triple H was running Monday Night Raw in the early 2000s, it was must-watch TV for me because I could not wait to see him get his ass kicked. And it took a long time, so I watched week in and week out for a long time mm -hmm. because I wanted to see Triple H get his comeuppance. Yes. And it, it took a long time until uh, Batista uh, at WrestleMania 22, I believe it was. Or was it 20? It wasn't 20. No, so it was right 20 after that, 22 maybe. Yeah, Batista though, Batista Bomb. Yes, yeah, it's a Batista Bomb. Uh, but Triple H is on my list, and more specifically, that early 2000s to mid 2000s Triple H. Um, I remember when Shawn Michaels made his comeback in 2002. I was super pumped for it. I had become a huge Shawn Michaels fan, um, and when he turned on Triple or when Triple H turned on him. That's when the hate really started for yep. me. 
And then when he was gifted the title by Eric Bischoff, mm-hmm. oh, and just the feuds that he, it's good just everything. It, it was TV. so good. All we wanted to do was see Triple H lose, never and lost. he kept winning. He just kept winning. So uh, when Batista finally dethroned him, it made him such. It made Batista such a huge, huge star, and that's what I think a great heel is. Not someone who is a huge star in and of himself. Yes, being a huge star works here, but it's the person that them putting over the face makes that face just shoot up into the stratosphere. And that's why Triple H makes my list, because when someone beat him, that face became, like Batista, Batista became the face that he huge meant to be. Bubs, it, just think talking about Triple H makes me think of how many heel factions he's been a part of. DX was heel at times, then it became cool. It was supposed to be heel, got over. He did the McMahon-Helmsley faction during mm-hmm. early SmackDown days. He did Evolution. The corporation. He, he did the part of the corporation. He did the Authority. All these were mega groups that were heel, and he's at the yes. top of it, right? He's leading it. So yes. that, that alone gets him some recognition to be able to do some stuff like that. So great pick there, Bubs. What do you got? Or did you have him at your four? I had him at – it was it was a toss-up between him and my next person Okay. at four. So my next person is Edge. And the reason why I chose Edge, um, not necessarily above Triple this is more 3A and 3B when it goes between him and Triple H. Edge was one of those few people in this, this now generation that we're supposed to love heels apparently, but he was kind of the last person, the last pure heel of WWE uh, where we, we hate we hated Edge, and I yeah. was a huge Edge fan. But when he became the Rated R superstar, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I, I don't boo. This boo. this isn't good. Boo, Lita, boo you. Boo. Yes. Oh, that that Jezebel. Yeah. Oh, Jr. <laughs> you legend. <laughs> but but Edge got the ire of the crowd. The crowd hated him, and because of that, whatever babyface he went up against would get cheered. Yes. So all of his feuds worked. His feuds with Batista worked, made Batista a bigger face. His feuds with Undertaker worked because the fans just wanted to see Undertaker destroy Edge, which he did sometimes, and Edge was dastardly. Yep. Edge would get those cheap Dirty wins. heel tactics. Yes, and so any that's like I said with Triple H, the mark of a great heel is someone who can get the baby face to become a bigger face. Exactly. John Cena may not get as big as he was without his feuds with Edge. Yeah. So that's why Edge makes my list. Okay. I love the talk of Edge. I think Edge's rise to where he got is the epitome of what wrestling should be. Talked about that a lot. Him and Booker T have a similar path that I really love. When Edge cashed in money in the bank, loved it, right? That started him and some John Cena stuff that was just so good. Um, he was. He was boo-worthy, even though I was a big fan of Edge and Christian. Yes. and even He's on my top Edge. five list of favorite wrestlers. Yeah. I, was, I would boo the crap out of Edge, but... It's amazing, and you bring up the, the perfect point of what heels are supposed to do. Heels are supposed to do everything they can to get the face even more over. So, although The Undertaker was one of the most over guys ever of all time, Edge got him even more over. When, I know. The Undertaker beat Edge, you know, and took his title from him. So if At WrestleMania. A, if like, he, a, yeah. he earned a WrestleMania spot against Undertaker exactly. for the World Heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. So if you can get a guy like The Undertaker more over than he already is, you deserve some real talk. So he's, he's on my list of additional – I wrote seven people on my honorable mentions list. <laughs> he's on there right as well. He's right next to Roddy Piper and Jake the Snake. Yes. So 
Um, I'm a big fan of Edge. Love that he, okay. it's hard. It would be hard yes. for me to boo him now, but um, I like what you picked, Bub. So let me I would on. also like to throw Stephanie McMahon in my list. Yes, she's I on my list. I forgot to add well. her. She is a fantastic heel. So the good. only thing that keeps her off is just the 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 grandiose of my my top two. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna change gears to go, though, Bub, and go back some years on you right here. Yes, and me let's too. let's talk let's talk heels real quick about what it should mean, and let's talk about an original gimmick of a heel, anti-American heel. You yes. you mentioned Sergeant Slaughter. I'm gonna go even one more farther on you, and I'm gonna say a guy named the Iron Sheik. Oh damn and, it, Bob! And even right too now, soon. even right now, he's playing soon. heel. All over Twitter. Yes. So the Sheik, he was the original, real, main event level, anti-American gimmick. Worked well for Hogan. Obviously, that's kind of what it, it was designed for. Yes. Super over. But the Sheik, bubs, to play yes. that role, to do what he did, to, to do all the – he's the original guy with that gimmick and all those tactics that go with it and saying all the things that you want to say. Iron Sheik, bubs, my number three of all time. Hit me with it. Yes. You Absolutely. say too soon, huh? Too Is soon. Too soon? Yes. Just one step too soon. Oh, good. Um, I would love to be able to say who are we. I'm 100% positive we have the same we'll, number. We'll talk at number one, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about my number. Why do we do these lists? Why do we separate our know. lists? Because they're the exact same. <laughs> the Iron Sheik. How do you not put Sheik up there? Um, Nikolai Volkov, another honorable mention. He could have been put up there uh, one if you want to go way back but yes the chic because the the hate that he had super boo oh, man people hated his guts the the it was back then that because it was rough had times the cold, back then had the cold war yes. going on the the anti-american russian or oh. that just middle eastern kind middle eastern of flux of Iran, Iran, Iraq. yes just having someone that supported that region in a in a just a patriotic world of not not only a patriotic world of America but the patriotic world of pro wrestling. What's a more what's a more patriotic sport than pro wrestling? Right. Honestly. So to the Iron Sheik, he transcended. He transcends what a heel is because not only maybe without the Iron Sheik, we don't have WWE what it is today because we don't have Hogan. Fact. I mean, Hogan doesn't become the ultimate hero that he became without Iron Sheik. Right. So, I, golly, I, I'm with you 100%. I have him at number two. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into your number two So, because I can't wait to get into number one. Okay. So, so this is where I put Bobby Heenan, though. We can keep that conversation going, okay. Bubs. Yes. And I'd actually like to do a – a, a real big shout out real quick because I hit this up pretty hard on Twitter and I was getting some very mm -hmm. good feedback yeah, go for this one. So um, a fellow podcast group of ours, the Jobber Knocker, check them out as well. Uh, they were hitting me back saying that they agree with me because uh, I compa I mentioned that Bobby Heenan's the the greatest manager of all time, but obviously he's one of oh, the yeah. better heels of all time. And I said he's the best heel manager of all time. So they were saying that Heyman is close, but there's two reasons oh, I did why, see that, yeah. why, the, why Heenan will always be better. He got involved in matches better than anyone, and he could take a jobber under his <laughs> wing and automatically make them a threat. So that's a quote. So there you go, Jobber Knocker, putting you out there with my boy, uh, the Maharaja JC, putting ah, it in there. I love him. So, love yeah, him. 
great shit from them, and I have to agree. And even uh, one more from uh, a guy who hit us up as well, Ryan Zimmerman at RPZim34. He says the same thing, that Brain was the best heel manager, period. Now, I have him at number two of all time, and I think that what you were saying earlier stands just as true. When did he ever play face? Never. The answer is never. Never. Okay. So unless he said some sympathetic shit because that's how it was at the time. The only matter. time he ever played face was not even played face when Gorilla Monsoon died. You know, that okay. was really the only time he, sure. like you said, that's, sentimental. That's out, that's out of kayfabe. That, that's it. That, yep. That's out of kayfabe. That's 100% real life. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, never once played face. So, played and, face. You know, acted. Yeah. I know that you like him as a man, or excuse me, as a commentator. Because he's, oh, he's certainly at the top of the list. He did stuff both in WWF and WCW. Great heel shit he was doing there. Very, very spoke very. Him honestly. and Gorilla Monsoon were, in my underrated. opinion, the no, not they are the they greatest two man team of all time. Okay, one hundred better than Jr. And, and the King. Okay, better than better than anybody. Be- better they than are Shivani? The, Yeah, better. Okay, one hundred percent. Gorilla Monsoon and they and and Bobby Heenan played so well against each other. Um, Heenan as just the just the anno- the annoying smarmy heel, mm-hmm. and Gorilla Monsoon just being that uh, uh, repulsed at anything Bobby Heenan would say. It was a great dynamic, which is what made Bobby Heenan so good as a heel. That no matter what he did. He got it over. No matter what face he was going up against, yeah. he got it over. His biggest mission in life was to was to kill Hulkamania. Yeah, and so and that's what he tried his, to do. All of his his clients became bigger stars because they were then chasing Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't you can't say that there was a better manager than Bobby Heenan. Right, and. When I think of Bobby Heenan, and it was it said it was said so good in the Andre the Giant documentary that when you align yourself with Bobby Heenan, you're doing the worst thing possible in pro wrestling, and that's the that's so factual. Andre the Giant put <laughs> yes. himself next to Bobby Heenan, and he, and he became he hated after that. So hated, as big as he was oh. in any territory or in, in New York or in WWF, Andre was now the heel. So yes. Bobby Heenan was able to take Andre the Giant. And move him to the most hated guy versus Hogan. Obviously, the kind of Hogan plays a big part in that as well. But of all time in that regard for that feud. So if Heenan can do that for a guy like him, and he can do it for a random jobber like the jobber knocker says, I completely agree. If you align yourself with Bobby Heenan, you be, you're doing the worst thing in pro wrestling. That stands alone in managerial aspects. And for me, Bubs yes. puts him at number two for me. You put him at five. Is, is that right? Is you yes, I put, him, him, I at put five? him at Five, just because. Yes, he was just the greatest heel of all time, but he's so beloved. Oh yes, <laughs> like, yeah, we yeah. love him now. It's, well, it's amount of respect now at this point. Yes, so there's 100%. Bobby Heenan for me, Bob. So now we're talking number one. Yeah, and, and let me go ahead and yeah, let's, let me let me this. cut you off there. You you say yeah, I love how you said, or how it was said in the documentary that do the worst thing possible to do is aligning yourself with uh, Bobby Heenan. Um, we talked about Stone. We, we talked about Stone Cold on the list, right? And uh, you know, he tried to play heel. He he aligned himself with the devil. Him he shook the hands devil. with the devil himself, who is my number one. I know for a fact he's your number one. There's no let's cut the pleasantries. Vince McMahon is the all time greatest 
heel because without him, there is no Stone Cold. There is no Attitude Era. Uh, He single-handedly created the Attitude Era with screwing Bret Hart. He became the greatest on-screen character, period, of all time, face or heel. And there is just no one better in history than Vince McMahon. Hands down, Bubs. Change my mind. He's so is what far I separated would... from everybody else. I won't even engage a conversation that anybody else could say any differently. Vince McMahon, as a personality, the Mr. McMahon character, yes, as a the heel, Mr. McMahon character, is by far at the time it was used greatly in the the, the screw job time, and then yes. the the stuff that followed with with Steve Austin during the Attitude Era, and all kinds of stuff since then. Anything Vince McMahon related is is heel work although of course out of respect when his music hits every now and then we're all pop. bowing we're it's big pop, pop and the, the whole crowd is yes. bowing to him because he's and then we boo him as soon as he starts talking we yeah, boo him boo, right because he's he's vince mcmahon he's yes. he's the he's the reason that we have wrestling now he should be yes. respected in that regard as well but his character not vince mcmahon i'm talking mr mcmahon is is by and large the best character that ever graced our TV bubs. He was, he's your boss, right? He's the guy trying to hold you back. He's the guy with power. He's the guy with authority. He's all, he's everything. He's in charge. He's, he's the CEO, you know, he does everything. So it's all set up to go against him and he plays into the character so well. And he's even put on a handful of very good matches himself. And he's even in some yoked shape for a guy his age. Yes. So a lot of reasons. He blew out his quads doing squats, both of them. Yes. Um, big fan uh, of Vince as a heel, Bubs. Um, he's the best of all time, and I don't, I can't think of anybody else who even comes close. And I, I love what you said. We do have a certain reverence about him. You know, initially when that music hits, we pop. But as soon as his, as soon as he starts talking, he controls us better than almost any heel of all time. Yeah. And I go back to recently the. 25th anniversary of raw that we just had his music hit and we all pop for it huge pop he gets into the ring stephanie presents him with the plaque he hated it and we're all we're all cheering we're going yeah vince is great and he just grabs the mic and he's like this shit is ugly i hate it i hate all of you the fans suck and we were booing the shit out of him. We were like, oh, oh, yeah, fuck you, Vince. We don't like you. Yes, get out of my TV, Vince. <laughs> yes, and that's what makes him just uh, unequivocally the greatest heel of all time. Because no matter how much we want to love him and cheer him, because like we said, without him, there may not be any pro wrestling anymore. Yeah. Without him there might not be this po- there definitely wouldn't be this podcast because we don't have that passion we may not i don't know if you know do we become as great of friends as we have become without Vince McMahon right but it's Vince McMahon Mr. McMahon the heel character that did all of this he created not only did he create you know the stone cold Steve Austin character but he made the stone cold character with their feud and there's no one who same same with with bruno san martino there's no words that i can use to describe just the monumental um 
just just what he has just what he's done. Yeah. He's just the he's the goat. He's number 1. Just like I said with Bruno, he's number 1. That's all I can say. Yeah. If we ever get a true behind the scenes documentary of Vince McMahon in the wrestling world, it'll be the greatest wrestling documentary of all time because of the stuff that he's been involved in, the stuff we have no idea about that's kept in vaults in WWE headquarters in Connecticut will be yes. The greatest thing that we could all ask for. Titan Bubs. Tower. Titan let's, Tower itself is it. is huge stuff. So great conversation, Bubs. A couple more tweets I want to hand out real quick before we before we move on. Obviously, I talked about the jobber knocker and their feel of of Heyman and him being number two to Bobby Heenan as well. I mentioned our boy Ryan Zimmerman, who thinks that Steamboat, as well as his number one babyface, just like I thought as well, his favorite heel is Roddy I, Piper. I can't get mad at that. Oh, how did we not mention we, Piper? Even as an list. honorable mention. I put him in there, but that's really it. He should be definitely moved up as well. Um, obviously, he mentioned uh, Bobby Heenan as well for us in that regard, too. And uh, our boy Raymond Dixon also thinking Hulk Hogan, biggest face well, of, course, of, of yeah. all time. So a lot of conversation. Appreciate you guys hanging out on Twitter with me as well. Hopefully you'll get in on this podcast with us as well. Look for some tweets as well. Mentioning you guys, yeah. we like the feedback and the conversation. So really good talk, bubs. This is one of our longer episodes, but we yeah. are really into this one. <laughs> it, it is. And, and there's no better dynamic in pro wrestling than the face and heel, the good guy, bad guy dynamic, uh, just because of the way it makes you feel. It lends itself to this kind of conversation. Uh, we can always talk about, you know, the people that we love to watch, the people that, you know, made us feel a certain way. Yeah. And so that's what makes this talk so important because without a heel and a face, without a good guy and a bad guy, we don't we don't fall in love with wrestling the way we have. And we less like this are always subjective. And so his list is different than mine. My list is different than his. And our lists are way different than what you might have. But we want to know what your list of top faces and top heels are. So you can get at us at CAE Wrestling on Twitter. You can also join in the conversation on Facebook. Just search Collar and Elbow, collar and elbow Wrestling. And that's the and sign uh, for Collar and Elbow, not the X like jobbers like to use. Get that X out. Yeah, get it out. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and iTunes. And you can tell, our, tell your friends, hey, go download it. If you love wrestling, go download it. And let's join the conversation together because we love you, the fans. We want to grow with you. And together, we can make wrestling great again. See you guys next time.